0: A now we want you to share with us our latest and greatest dream, Disneyland. Just go to Action Park, there's no other park like it. Six Flags Great Adventure, it's not a world away. Paramount's Kings Island. We will officially open Universal Studios Florida. Hello, I'm Michael Eisner.
1: Now, here is your host. Hello, and welcome back to the Defunct Land podcast. My name is Kevin Perger. Today, I am joined by the extremely talented puppeteer, Noel McNeil. Noel, it is an honor to have you on today. Thank you. Thanks so much. So, we just had the first episode of a new spin off to Defunct Land called Defunct TV, and the focus was on Bear in the Big Blue House. Um, I'm going to let you drive this conversation. So, to start off, can you just tell me a little bit about your involvement with
0: that show? Yeah. Uh, Basically, I was the uh, puppeteer and. I have to say voice because the thing is for some reason people think if you just say puppeteer, then they'll say, Oh, did you do the voice too? It's like, yes, I did. That's what being a puppeteer means. You get to do the puppet and 99.9% of the time you do get to do the voice. So I was the voice and the puppeteer, uh, inside bear, which was, as I called it, the big bird technology. Cause I was inside and he's what's called a, a full body puppet or a walk-around puppet. It's because you can actually walk around. And in order to see, I couldn't. So inside was a tiny little TV set, a monitor and a microphone so I could speak as Bear's voice. And what you saw at home is what I saw. I couldn't see out. So I saw Bear the way you saw Bear on your television set. And because it's TV, it's flipped. So it's all backwards. So if you have a... Uh, a Mac at home, like open it up, go to uh, iMovie, and click that little arrow that's pointing down to import things, and say from you know the Mac camera. And when the Mac camera comes on, put your hand up and like point to your right, and it'll look like on the screen you're pointing to your left. That's what it's like. And you just for a TV puppetry, you just practice and you you just get used to it. So that's how. I uh, performed Bear on the TV show. And then because of his popularity, Disney was wondering if the show would be popular in the park. Actually, I was wondering if the show would be popular in the park in terms of, like, a ride or some sort of attraction. So I normally would go down for New Year's with my family, with my wife and my mom um, came along. And I said to Peter Van Roden, who was an executive at Henson at the time, now he's an executive at... um, Universal Studios, and I said, you know, I'm going to be down for New Year's. You know, if you send down Bear and a Wrangler, at that time it was Andrea Detwiler. Um, you know, let's see if it's popular. Let me do a little meet and greet. And he's like, "Are you sure?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, go for it." So they did. They sent Bear down, sent Andrea, and got into Bear. And then it made more sense for Bear to be at the was called then the disney mgm studios now it's the hollywood studios because of the fact that it was uh you know a show and so they decided it would make more sense for bear to be part of um the, the hollywood studios and so right next to the um great movie ride i came out and just like stood there and people suddenly like looked over and saw bear and i waved and they ran over and i you know i Say hi to kids. And I would take pictures. Well, a Disney person, a, a park person, came over and and leaned into me and said very quietly but very politely, "You're not allowed to talk." And I and Bear turned to him and said, "Yes, I can." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "No, no, you're really not allowed to talk." And, he, and Bear put his hand on his shoulder and said very politely, "No, really, I really am allowed." To. <laughs> and that's when. That's when the the Hanson people explain to him. that's like, no, this really is Bear from the TV show, and it's like, oh. And so after that, VCorp um, is the uh, company that makes all those shows, like, um, you know, Sesame Street Live, and uh, I think they were part of like the Ice Capades for a while, but they were part of those arena shows. And so they were they were wondering too if Bear would also be. Uh, a popular attraction for an arena show so first they did a mall show a little mall tour they made this big blue house and it was with bear and like uh, the puppet characters but the puppet characters scaled up it was such a hit that disney just bought it lock stock and big blue house and put it into the sound stage at the disney mgm studios and it became bear in the big blue house live and it was a huge success and so for that show that's when and for the mall tour in general that's when myself and my co-stars peter lynn's tyler bunch and vicky eibner that's when we recorded our voices the character voices and had puppeteers trained to lip sync along i went down i went to uh in- initially went to b corp in minneapolis and uh consulted and trained with uh, the bear puppeteers and Tyler Bunch trained the the hand puppeteers. And the same thing happened in uh, Disney World. They had puppeteers there, but we went down and consulted with them and told them, like, you know, this is how this character would move. This is how even little things. This is how this character would listen. And also, whenever you get a chance, like, you know, look at the audience because they're part of this, too, because that's what we always did on the show, especially bear. Bear would look at the audience to keep them engaged and to keep them focused as well as to the, you know, occasional adult out there, bear would often like lower his eyebrows and kind of give that sort of, you've been through this, what I'm going through moment, especially with the otters messing up the living room. So it was a huge success after that. That's when Disney got the bright idea. Hey, you know what? We've got a lot of other shows on, you know, playhouse Disney. In fact, instead of like creating separate shows for them, why don't we try and like fit them into the bear show? And so that's what they did. So bear in the big house became playhouse Disney live. And they shoehorned in all these other characters. So that bear became an intro and an outro. And the the tying thread was Tutter and, and the human host. And I think the human host was, it, it had a name that could be either male or female. So this way they could, they could switch out. The, the human host, like I think it was like Terry, like one of the so it was like Terry could be a guy for some shows or Terry could be a girl for some shows, <laughs> and then um, they would see these like tales that helped Tutter get through his shyness, and so it'd be tales from Stanley or from um, um, the uh, the Book of Pooh, or or um, uh, and eventually just like had all the puppet versions of these like cartoon characters, and then it would wrap up with bear and luna and everybody singing the goodbye song and then when uh bear stopped airing you know that's when they took uh bear out and then it just became and that's also when it went from being playhouse disney live to being disney junior and so they just revamped the whole show so now it's disney junior live and it's all puppet versions of what's currently on um the disney junior so that's how that all evolved. So for, 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 the, for the parks anyway. And Bear got to be a part of the, uh, um, the, the, the Christmas parades, the, that would air, uh, the Disney world, uh, Christmas parades, which would always be shot around November, like the segments they would shoot in November. So at the time when you would watch the Christmas parade, they would cut live to the parade, like on main street USA, but any like cutaways to like celebrities or other characters that was all pre-recorded like over a month in advance (laughs) and you know like around like the first of november and so bear would get to go down and 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 do those uh do do those segments in fact one time there was like at the end there was like a whole big they wanted to have a big crowd scene with all the characters and the santa claus flow and everybody there and so and that's what oh that's what they would do, too. They would also pre-record the parade so that in case of inclement weather on Christmas Day, they had a parade to fall back on. <laughs> and so they had this big uh, crowd scene and Bear was up front with Clay Aikens and a couple of the celebrities and Wayne Brady. And behind him is like all the Disney characters like Mickey and Minnie and Blue and Pluto and. So, want, but they wanted a, uh, a, f- a photo of everybody. So, oh, everybody look up here, smile. And Bear turned around and said to the character, say cheese oh, just kidding. (laughs) And everybody, of course, mime, the all shucks and oh, we can't and things like that. So (laughs) So, this is this is perfect. This is getting all of our bear
1: in the big blue house in the parks information out right out of the gate. So if anybody just wants to know about the theme park aspect of the show after this segment, I guess they're going to tune out. But as far as this goes, so this entire, you know, the live shows and the Disney MGM and all that stuff, it all started from that one walk
0: around experience you had. Well, yeah, as as I mean, I took I took Bear, the one from the show, because he uh, he was a – there's walk-arounds. Like, you know, Mickey and Minnie are walk-arounds. But a walk-around puppet or a full-body puppet is what Bear is. It's what Big Bird is. Um, it's 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 a, it's like the next step of being – it's not just a costume. It really is a puppet, but it's a puppet you wear from, from head to toe. And so I took Bear down, and this way I was able to walk around because at that point, that's when – the crafty people at Muppets, at the Henson Company, had figured out how to put a camera into Bear's left eye.
1: Oh, okay, this was gonna be my next question, is how did that experience
0: go if you couldn't see? Yes, yeah, so this little like, camera in his left eye, but little, and his like, little glint, and so they had a matching eye with a matching glint, and so if the vision I had was, imagine, okay, okay everybody's listening, you too, Kev. Take your left hand and make a circle, and put it around your left eye and then with your right hand, cover your right eye. So that's pretty much the vision I had with a monitor, with the, the monitor that I had. So this way I had to make sure that, you know, people weren't like, you know, blindsiding me on my right side. <laughs> and just like, just being aware that I, they, I only had like vision out of like the left, the left eye, but then I could see things. And so I could see people and talk to people. And actually walk around and be free and just like, you know, wander around, which was great. So, um, I started using that for when I did appearances cause bear was popular. And so he would go on shows like at that time, Donnie Marie and Wayne Brady had a show. Uh, there was also Hollywood squares, which was great. And so that's when I would have two monitors, I would have the monitor that showed me what bear looked like on tv i would get the feed that the tv show would give so that i could see what bear looked like as if you were watching at home and then right next to it was a second monitor as a backup so this way i could actually have bear's vision and see where i was going because bear was the only muppet character because technically he is a muppet bear is the only muppet character who is able to walk out with the celebrities and get into a square because that's how they introduced at the top of the show they would introduce each star and each star would come out take a bow in front of the live studio audience and then go into to their square when kermit elmo big bird and oscar did it it was already preset because they couldn't walk out but bear could and i was very proud of that <laughs> <laughs> okay so i i have another question about the
1: costume specifically or the the puppet i should say is that you've talked about on other podcast that the the puppet is washable or yeah. that certain parts of the puppet can be dry cleaned is that- yeah the
0: the except for the except for the head uh bears bear was actually in in two halves he was like the bottom half that was like almost like a big kind of like clown pants and i would put my feet inside his feet and they were like you know nike sneakers inside and i had a backpack uh a harness that i would then put on and clipped together. And that's where the monitor and the microphone were. So just alone was just this kind of like big hoop skirt with, you know, bare feet and this harness. And then the top was put over me and then zipped up. And so, but considering that it got warm because fur is warm. At one time I put a a thermometer inside because people ask me how hot does it get in there? And at one point during the height of you know, doing the monologue and then doing a dance, it got up to like 92 degrees oh my. inside. But it's a dry heat. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure. So then at some so do, we would have like hiatus weeks, and that's when bear would get cleaned. And so except for the head, the the feet would come off like slippers, and then the fur got unbuttoned from the what was called the helix, the the, un, the understructure that was all netting and uh, webbing to keep that nice body shape. That would go to um, the uh, dry cleaners and get dry cleaned. A special uh, dry cleaners that's used for uh, for costumes like on Broadway and for stage work. So they knew exactly how to clean that. And then the fur was hand washed at, back at the, the Henson shop and then hung to dry. So there was all nice and and clean. And I always made a point of making sure my hygiene was good because I didn't want to like put anybody through anything. Um, And so it was nice and and clean and dry. And in order to keep me from like passing out during that first season, the air conditioning in the studio was cranked all the way up. So it was freezing inside and people would like complain how cold it was the wrap gift. At the end of the season, everybody got these wonderful fleece jackets with Bear in the Big Blue House embroidered on it. So that this way for season two, you come back, you wear your fleece jacket, and you don't complain. <laughs> yeah, as if the incentive <laughs> of keeping
1: you from heat stroke wasn't enough. Exactly. So so it just like delayed the passing out. So Well, let's stick with the bear costume for a little longer. Uh, can you just take me through all of the controls, so I know there's a false arm, but it's movable, and then you have the one arm you do use and the arm that goes into the bear's mouth. Yeah. Can you just explain pretty much all that and
0: how that works? Uh, well, that's a, like I said before, it, I called it the Big Bird technology, because Big Bird is very similar in terms of style to bear. Carol Spinney, who I worked with on Sesame Street and learned everything about body puppetry from. Um, Big Bird, he wears Big Bird's legs like a pair of pants. And then you put Big Bird on top of him and Carol puts his right arm straight up into Big Bird and his hand goes into Big Bird's beak. And he has a little control on his index finger or or his pinky to uh, make Big Bird's eyelids go up and down. And then his left arm goes into Big Bird's left wing and then there's a string that goes up through the neck, through a little ring, down to the right wing. So this way, whenever Carol moved his left arm, the right wing would move. Bear was the same thing. I would put my right arm up through his neck, into the head, put my hand into his mouth. My index finger had a little trigger that would move the eyebrows up and down. And my left arm would go into Bear's left arm, and there was a little monofilament that went up through a little ring under his chin and then down to the, the right arm. So then whenever I moved my left arm, the right arm would move. But then by the last season... Oh, we we had um we had like a a wild arm that was designed and built so that on certain occasions bear could have a right hand so it was like for one time we wanted to try it like bear opened you know door welcomed you sniffed you just smelled really good and then he would like pick up like a letter or or a book or a package and then he he brought it really close to camera and as bear brought it close to camera that's when Jim Krupa was the fourth, uh, the, uh, fifth puppeteer on the show. He had the wild arm on so that bear could actually point to things while the, my hand was holding something and then put it back in the box. And then as bear stepped back, Jim would step away and it looked like bear was just stepping back. So it kept that illusion. So for a while, people were like, wait a minute, like his right hand is moving and his left hand's moving. It's like, what's going on. It's like, yep. So that was our little trick.
1: <laughs> So when you didn't have that other person's arm and you were just doing the normal, you know, false arm with the string, was it did, was it reversed? So if you lowered Bear's arm, the other arm would heighten, would go up? Or was it that one would go up
0: and the other would go up with it? How did the lever? No, no. Lever... It was a counter lever. So if my left hand went up, the other the right hand would go down. And if I lifted, if I lowered my left arm, the right arm would come up. So then we started to have different lengths for certain things like when bear would dance especially the bear cha-cha-cha we used a shorter one so this way his arms would really look like they were active when he was dancing
1: ah, okay did you have
0: any uh control over the ears at all could you move the ears no there was no control over the ears. no nope. that's part of the illusion that was just like gravy so it was just like if you thought the ears were moved that means i was doing a good job
1: i mean puppeteers don't get nearly enough credit for how you know lifelike and fluid all of this looks and i'm sure that took Years and years of practice and being on other TV shows and doing other things. So let's actually talk about some of the stuff What did you do before bear in
0: the big blue house some of these some of your major highlights in production? Oh if you uh, it's like Pretty much. I'm so proud that my resume is most people's childhood memory (laughs) So if, if you got to watch way too much television as a child, you probably saw something that I did the first thing I worked on it was this TV show. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Sesame street. I have. And I started out with what was called the wrangler, the person who took care of the puppets, and then I segwayed into doing background characters. And my first bit is actually it's on YouTube. I discovered it recently. It's when I got my first speaking role and I'm a clerk and Grover's online explaining about like, you know, being last or and waiting in line and I'm the clerk and I had one line. And I blew it. (laughs) And so they had to do what's called a pickup, which resulted in me getting a close-up. So I flubbed the line, but I got a close-up out of it.
1: Well, there you go. And so,
0: yeah. And then uh, after that, uh, I did like other background stuff, like assisting the other puppeteers and also doing like back and like second chicken from the right, third grouch from the left. And then I got to do a speaking role for the first Sesame Street movie called Follow That Bird. And I was the chair bird. This uh, burdened turban that sets up the whole movie. She's the head of the Feather Friends Society, this self-righteous uh, uh, social service for birds that wants to place Big Bird with his own kind. And so I got to that was like a, another role for me, as well as being Carol's understudy. So for certain shots, like Big Bird in a haystack or getting you know chased by a plane, that's that's me instead of uh, Carol. And then I also did a show way back around the same time. It was called The Great Space Coaster, and it was a syndicated show. And I took over a character that John Lovelady, who was the puppeteer on the show, he did a character named Knock Knock, who was this little female woodpecker. And John went off to do a show on NBC called Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which was about a talking orangutan that gets elected to Congress, which at that time seemed ludicrous, these days it would be a relief <laughs> so uh so then i took over the character for uh for the next to last season of this show which was fun and uh after that was doing um at the end of the 80s into the 90s was uh the show on nickelodeon called eureka's castle and i got to be a character named magellan who was a dragon and who was very similar again to uh to big bird and to bear he was a uh a full body puppet that i wore and uh after that then through the 90s there were shows like um i worked on shows like ubi and oh i found uh, ubi oh my gosh ubi well ubi was in the 90s like the early 2000s but ubi and between lions and i also worked on um, um jim cooper and i worked on the original snuggle bear commercials And I did um, the third Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, Ninja Turtles 3, when they go back in time. And I was the puppeteer for Raphael. And uh, Matt Hill, who was a voice actor, he was inside Raphael. And so Matt would do all the acting and the body movement, and I would manipulate the head, the facial features uh, by remote control off camera. And so, yeah, that was like a little busy before doing Bear. So. Well, hold
1: on because I'm gonna I stop you right there because you know when I was looking and researching for Defunct TV and I was like, what is a good episode topic to start on? And then Bear in the Big Blue House just I kind of stumbled upon it. And I was like, okay, this is a a major player in Playhouse Disney and the Disney Channel, and it's a good intro to the world of television. But for somehow on the way when I was looking up all these puppet shows from the early uh, from the late '90s to early 2000s, I found Ubi and I watched a couple
0: episodes. <laughs> And it is weird. Oh, yes. We apparently some of our biggest fans were especially because Ubi um, eventually uh, started showing like sort of like early in the morning, like, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning. So eventually some of our biggest fans became kids coming back from parties who were just like really stoned and we just sit and just watch Ubi and just love the fact that these hands were just talking. And yeah. (laughs) I can totally imagine two stoned
1: guys watching Ubi at, you know, 3 a.m. and just looking down at their hands and being like, oh my gosh,
0: my hands were puppets the whole time. Yeah, it was like, yeah, all we, I mean, for those of you out there who don't know it, Ubi was the show um, created by the guy who created the, the Wonder Pets. That was right after Ubi. But it was a puppet show but the puppets were our bare hands and on top of them were glass eyes that's it and if you're lucky they will pay you to do this and the characters would only speak one word or two words at a time and so my character was keiko and he wore a little red hat and uh, he would say things like you ubi friends perfecto that's it It this is like that and so it was really fun when we did the musical episode because the characters were going to put on the play little red riding hood and we thought how are these characters going to do a musical if they're only allowed to speak <laughs> one to two words at a time but it actually worked it was actually one of the best episodes we ever did it was really funny yeah it was with um tim legasse and uh stephanie de and again Tyler bunch we were the the, pup- the main puppeteers for the show and it was it was great we did uh, two full seasons of that and it was really fun. And yeah, looking back now, it's just like it's still such one of those wonderful Weird little shows <laughs> that came along. That's that's that was such a treasure
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's on a uh, it's unfortunate that there are not more puppet shows now. I mean then we have a lot of animations I mean CGI is so easy to do now for TV studios. I just I really think that there was so much more depth and uh, places and chances for world building with these puppet shows, and there's just not as many
0: anymore. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the 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 artists at the Jim Henson Company, the way they designed and built Bear, and the characters, and Jim Krupa, who was one of the puppeteers for for Bear, he had a company named uh, Three Design Studio, they are the ones who created the characters for Eureka's Castle and for another Nickelodeon show uh, called The Lego's Window, and they did the uh, some of the puppets for that. And it's 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 they're truly underrated. The people who can make puppets because people think you know oh a puppet it it doesn't cost that much it's a puppet so that's when you know professional puppeteers will get a call from like you know producers like so i have this great idea i want to use a puppet i want the puppet to do this and this and this and this and this how much would it be and the you know professional puppet builder will tell them the price and they'll say oh well i only have a hundred (laughs) bucks and it's it's like so and in that case, it's like you want to tell them, you know, like, it's like, you know, okay, you know what? I want to do, you know, a show that has like, you know, this, 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 and this. And they'll say, well, what's your budget? Oh, I don't have one. So can you make it anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's that kind of mentality that we're, we're, that we're dealing with. And they think that, you know, it's just easier to do with animation. The classic story that I have is I had an idea. For this great music show a live action music show with a human host aaron nigel smith go to youtube look him up he's a great entertainer for families and and for adults and he was gonna be the main character and all these puppet characters on this island and i had like a map of the island and little little cut figures and all the bibles and great illustrations and and i was pitching it to one of the major american uh, kids channels and right off the bat the producer said it's puppets i was like yes it's like well puppets are really geared towards really little kids and i bit my lip from saying but your channel is geared for really little kids right (laughs) and so i kept going i kept going to the point where it kind of felt like watching like the last 20 minutes of titanic it was just that depressing after a while and so i asked her okay in all seriousness because i know you're going to pass on this what do you really want? And she said, no, I'll be honest. If you can create a show, an inexpensive 3D, even 2D animated show, where during doing the course of the episode. The characters have to collect things that we can translate into merchandise. The kids at home have to buy. That is what we want. That's depressing. Yep. People, people are always like shocked, like "Oh my god!" "Oh my gosh!" It's like you know, it's like because somehow people are always shocked because it's children's television. But here's the thing: I always tell them, children's television is what's part of show business, and there's a reason why it's called show business.
1: Yeah, but I personally think that that approach. Actually results in less merchandising because if your purpose is to go in and we're gonna sell a lot of merchandise We're gonna do a lot of sales externally and that's the purpose of the show Then the quality of the show is going to suffer and then your fan base just won't be there to begin with but bear on the other hand I mean that had a ton of merchandising but oh, yeah bear wasn't created for the purpose of
0: Merchandising oh, yeah, we had we had it was like at one point the merchandise machine was just like getting all the stuff out. I remember I did an appearance uh, in England and it was to promote the new line of, of bear toys that was coming out for the the Disney store back then. The Disney stores were huge, and so I went to this um, one mall, and I always had like a 20 minute show of uh, of songs and interactive with with kids. And so I, I went, and it was like packed. I mean, they figured like you know you know they figured like you know 50, 75 people. It was Massive. I mean, all these people, people on the other floors looking down at bear. And I did, um, I think I did one show and at the end of it, the Disney channel, uh, the, the Disney store in the mall was so inundated. Every bear item was gone. They made in that one day what they would have made the entire Christmas season. And for England, the Christmas season begins like in you know October, all the way through the end of December. They made their Christmas like the numbers for the Christmas season for three months in one day, <laughs> because of this little talking bear out there just wiggling his butt and cha cha cha. And, and I did an appearance at the at the back then it was the flagship uh, Disney store in uh, New York City on Fifth Avenue, and it was uh, three floors and it was beautifully designed and. I went there early with, with the, the Wrangler and they showed us like you know, behind the scenes. They had like this on this um, dry erase board, how they had planned everything out. Bear would be here and there would be stroller parking and people would line up on this side and people would be given a number. So in case they wanted to go and go shopping, they could come back and resume their place in line. And the Wrangler and I kind of like did a little glance to each other like, "Mm-hmm, yep, sure. So. Um, and so, and it was going to be a simple one. You just come, you say I had to Bear, you take a po- photograph, and you move on. That's it. And they were expecting maybe, you know, they're maybe expecting maybe like maybe 100, at the most 200 people. 1,500 people showed up. <laughs> <laughs> just at this mall? D- d- no, it was at the Disney store on Fifth Avenue. To the point where twice they had to close the store. They couldn't let anybody else in until like a certain number had seen Bear. And it was it was like such controlled pandemonium. It was unbelievable. It was like people were coming by. This one grown woman and her boyfriend came and she was like weeping. It was, it was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. And then it got to the point where in order to keep things going, I had to, instead of them coming to me, I had to like, I, I, it's what I did before another appearance when it got so crowded. I went down the line. And I just went down the line and said, hi, and they took a picture and hi, and just went down and just zigzag my way through the line in order for people to get a chance to see bear and then took a break. So then those people could leave and like the new slew could come in, but they totally underestimated the power of puppetry and a talking bear. (laughs) So, yeah, he was, he was, he was very popular, very pleased about that. I mean, yeah. Just
1: researching for the show, you know, I'm I'm putting on episodes of Bear in the Big Blue House, and and people are walking by or walking into my place, and they're like, Wait, wh- "Is that Bear in the Big Blue House?" It's not like a "What is that?" It right. is, they recognize it. I mean, even if maybe it's not their generation or it wasn't their time, the, so, they something about that imagery was just so popular they they recognize it and they understand it. And on that note, I. I found myself falling in love with the show because it is so calming and soothing and the world is so chaotic and the show is like the exact opposite. It's just so gentle and the the plot is so you know simple because it's for preschoolers, but it's just a very soothing, calming experience to watch the show.
0: Oh, yeah. When I went to audition, I walked in and Peter Van Roden again, he uh, caught me as soon as I walked in. and He just said to me, use your real voice. And I said, what? But with the Muppets, we don't do that. He said, no, no use your real voice because they wanted to design bear to be the anti-barney they wanted a show designed so that kids and their parents or caregivers could sit together the way bear was sharing his time with the young kid at home they wanted that same feeling to then continue after the show was over so that the grown-up Could then continue having an adventure with the kid at home as well as the fact they wanted to have You know a character whose voice didn't make your eyes gouge out every time you heard it So
1: yeah, and that is so accurate because I mean that show was huge so many people know what it is But no one has any negative feelings towards it like just strong negative reactions toward that show the same way They do for other shows such as you know caillou for instance or barney. I mean, it's just such a different reaction So positive.
0: Yeah, exactly Yeah. I mean, I was always flattered that when you first premiered, uh, a New York critic here said Bear was Mr. Rogers in a fur coat, which was like one of the highest praise. So at one point uh, for one show at the very beginning, uh, Bear like picks up a sweater that's hanging on the coat rack in the foyer and he puts it on. And As soon as he turns around, I do this sort of like Foolish, like mr rogers kind of voice <laughs> <laughs> and then uh yeah it's like one of the few times barry actually like wore clothes but uh it is it, it was a very sincere and genuine show and i i still get every now and then an email a fan email first from the kids who watch the show who are now like graduating college and then uh from moms and parents of kids with autism and special needs whose kids still watch the show on DVD or on that VHS tape that they, they made like all those years ago. And that's when I realized there's no show like this on anymore, bear or Mr. Rogers. And so that's why I've been trying to develop my own show for kids with autism and special needs. And it's called the show me show. And I have a channel on YouTube and I have a website. And so I'm developing this show to try and come back to a show where it's Know, very sincere, very gentle, not too loud, not in your face, and just a, a really fun place, but a nice gentle place that you go to just the way you did at the Big Blue House.
1: Oh, that sounds awesome. Definitely send me those links, and anyone listening right now, I'm sure they'll be in the description. Just if you're whether you're on iTunes or whether you're on YouTube, just go down there and you can check out uh, the links that Noel's going to send me on these. Um, but Noel, you also wrote some episodes of Bear in the Big Blue House, on top of you know writing this new show that you're doing and doing all of these other shows afterwards. You did? Did you write and direct? I mean, what 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 did you do on the production side, not just acting?
0: I think I wrote about four episodes, I think, and I directed one. Yeah. And one of the episodes you
1: wrote, I've seen the ending to, which is a, the, it's a, the harvest moon party for Luna. It was the big cast version of the goodbye song.
0: Oh yeah. That's what I co-wrote. So that'd be a fifth one. That was when I co-wrote with, um, Mitchell Kriegman who created the show. And it was, and that was, uh, I think that was the season two, uh, fin- uh, episode the the last episode, because we weren't sure if we were getting renewed or not. So we thought, okay, let's, Let's go out with a really big like festive kind of show. So that's where we had like every single character who had ever been on the show be in this this last scene, which and, and Bear and Luna always sang the goodbye song. And this is the only time you got the extended version of the goodbye song <laughs> that Peter that Peter Louie had to go back and write.
1: <laughs> yeah, and in this episode there's two Bears. I mean, there's there's Bear, who you were playing, and there's also Ursa, who is Bear's friend. That that just has to be the normal bear costume with a cloth around it and a different voice, right? I mean, it's it's the only difference is that cloth.
0: Well that was that was one of that was um uh the PR bear before the uh the, the mall tour even happened, they had a PR bear that would go and do appearances because when I wasn't available, uh they would have the PR bear go and do appearances at you know a store. And um so we just used that bear and dressed it with a shawl and a little fan. And uh, Matt Vogel was inside puppeteering it. And uh, yes, and Matt, Matt has now like, gone on to other things. He is now, he is now Big Bird. Now that Carol's retired, he is now Big Bird. And most recently, Matt is now Kermit the Frog. And so Matt was inside. And then the voice of Ursa, because she is from Spain, she speaks Spanish, was Carmen Ospar. And Carmen is puppeteer that i worked with so long and a dear friend and we worked together on Sesame Street. Carmen is the puppeteer for Rosita as well as she and I worked on a show back in the early 90s called The Puzzle Place and she was Kiki and my character was named Leon. And just take a moment to think what Leon spelled backwards is. Ah, there you go. And uh so she was so she was the voice and so Matt was lip-syncing along and and so it was kind of established that you know Bear had this pen pal named Ursa. And at one point they did a split screen like calling and Bear like called each other. So for then this for this show, that's when we had Ursa come to the big blue house. And it kind of it kind of became established that Ursa was kind of Bear's girlfriend. And uh they had a very special kind of relationship. Cause I know I see where you're going with it was Ursa Bear's <laughs> girlfriend? Yes, Ursa was Bear's girlfriend. And we thought and we thought, you know what, let's introduce the fact that, you know, you know, Bear has, you know, you know, a special friend, Ursa, and they like being together and just like, yeah. So, so the last shot, you know, Bear's in the kitchen. He's saying goodnight to you. And then, hope you had fun at the people house. And then the back door, that's when Ursa says, vamos, Bear, you promised we could sit and watch the stars. And I said, oh, yes. And so that's when she comes in and uh, says to everybody, you know, buenas noches, which means goodnight. And that's when they turn and go out. And the last shot during the credits, Is Bear and Ursa sitting back to back uh, without backs to camera, looking up at the stars? And just before it fades out, that's when Bear's arm goes and puts his arm around Ursa's back, and then it just fades out. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, well, you guessed my question. That's exactly where (laughs) I was going with that. You know, I'm just trying to make sure all this fan fiction makes sense. I don't want, you know, my writings (laughs) to have any plot holes in it. I just had to know, is Ursa really Bear's girlfriend? So thank
0: you for answering that. Nope, it it was true. And plus, we also established the fact that. In Spain, Ursa, who lives on a farm, she goes out every night onto her balcony and talks to Luna as well. So it just seems to be a bare thing that the moon does. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that, that's nice to know. And yeah. on, on, on kind of a related note, um, a big part of the show is napping and sleeping. I and mean, yet, uh, at least Hutter, he sleeps a lot in the episodes that I've watched. But then you also have Ray and Luna, and they can never sleep, right? Because no matter what side of the world they're on, they're always just talking to people
0: on balconies. Yes, exactly. They're just like constantly on and constantly awake. <laughs> it's
1: like they're cursed. I just want to sleep. Exactly.
0: Which I think is probably when eclipses come in handy, because in this way, one of them gets a break. And so <laughs>
1: Yes, that's that is perfect. Fantastic.
0: So every one to two hundred years they actually get to take like, you know, a quick ten minute nap and then they're on for another millennium.
1: Yeah, great. We've added something to the bear in the big blue house cannon. I'm just looking to boost the world, make really help. Help out the lore. As I want to make it my own, really. People always ask,
0: like, who is Ojo? And I said, you know, because, you know, Tutter lives with Bear. Because, I mean, Tutter and Bear were technically roommates. And then uh, the otters live out in the otter pond, and Tweedle lives in a tree nearby. And people are say, who is Ojo? Where does she live? And I always said that Ojo lives down the street. <laughs> okay. And her mom is, like, you know, this high-powered lawyer. <laughs> who like is always working single mom so then she allows ojo to come and hang out at the big blue house so it's kind of like sort of free daycare that she's taking advantage of
1: <laughs> well well, ojo's a bear yes and bear's a bear yes but they're they're not related it's just like the avenue q song we got, got a mess in the messy territory for assuming that they're related just because they're both bears
0: they're just they're just they're just friends they're just that's just friends and people also ask me too like you know um with is is you know, does Bear know, you know, Kermit the Frog? And I would always say that, well, Bear knows of Kermit the Frog because Kermit's famous, just like Bear knows of Brad Pitt and, you know, Angelina Jolie and George Clooney because they're famous. But, you know, Bear doesn't personally know Kermit, even though they are within that sort of Muppet family canon. I mean, even though Bears a Muppet. He doesn't know Kermit, but he knows of Kermit because the Muppets in, in the Muppet world, the Muppets are celebrities. They are like, you know, the celebrity equi- you know, equivalent, you know? So this is like the celebrities on Sesame Street, you know, I mean that the characters on Sesame, they know Kermit because Kermit used to hang out there. But, you know, they don't know Miss Piggy. <laughs> they know of Miss Piggy and they've seen her, but she's she's a celebrity. So, you
1: know, it's also super depressing to think that all the people in Sesame Street knew Kermit and Kermit just totally
0: forgot about them and went to become famous in Hollywood. Right. Well, actually, on um, on YouTube now, there is this bit of um, uh, Jim Henson and Frank Oz back in the early 90s. They made an appearance at um, at uh, MIT during the Puppeteers of America Festival back then and they're on stage and they're answering questions and talking about and at one point uh jim pulls out kermit and frank pulls out cookie monster and cookie monster begins to berate kermit over the fact that he left his little friends on sesame street behind to go off and be big star don't have time to come back and sing the alphabet oh no and it's really (laughs) funny how cookie's giving kermit such a hard time
1: I I love that again. We're building on the lore of all the Henson productions. I mean, it's it's great because there's so much. There's so many casts of characters, so many different properties to play off of. But well, I mean now it's split, right, between Disney and Jim Henson Productions.
0: Well yeah, because yeah, because uh, Disney owns uh Bear and and the Muppets and um and um Sesame Workshop now has complete ownership of the Sesame Street characters. But the Jim Henson company still owns uh, for instance, Fraggle Rock, uh, they still owned um, the Dark Crystal, which even as we speak, they're doing the new Netflix series over in London. And I have uh, friends over there working on it right now, which will be coming out, um, at, I think, some point late this year or early next year. And it's a prequel to the Dark Crystal. So, yeah, so so they are and they've also done things for TV. They've, they've done um, um, a new uh, computer animated version of the doozers and uh, and they were involved in um the the exhibitions the there's the Jim Henson exhibition in, in New York at the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens and then there's the um the exhibition of the muppets and Jim Henson at the Center for Puppetry Arts in Atlanta and so they were heavily involved in that and there's also the the Jim Henson Foundation and the Jim Henson Legacy that just keep um so sort of like, you know, Jim's legacy and Jane, his wife, too, their legacy uh, going and made people aware of it. And so they, they, they uh, sponsor um, 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 not scholarships, but, you know, the money you would need to order to help uh, develop your puppet show a puppet piece. They do that every year. And they they work closely with um, um, the University of Connecticut of Storrs, Connecticut, Uh, Which are Yukon which still has its four-year puppetry program. And so uh, yeah, so they're still involved in stuff
1: Okay, yeah, and so I have a few more uh, bear specific questions. The first uh, is pretty easy Okay, how many times did you miss the swing? For anyone that hasn't watched an episode where you do this uh, there's a giant swing in the middle of bears living room and you just go over there and, you know, you have one, you only yes. get one hand and you grab onto one of the, and then you jump on the swing. I mean, you had to have fallen a few times, right? I mean, was it just immediate, just first time and you never fell? Because you're, I mean, you're only using one hand. Just please tell me you at least fell once.
0: Um, No, if I, if I, if I did slip, I would always slip like kind of <laughs> forward, but I would, I never slipped backwards. But um, I learned that uh, how to do it just like it would be like one quick little move and like up on it, and then kind of just like, just very gently, just like rock back and forth. But yeah, there, there was a way to do it. <laughs> okay. Follow up. Did you ever fall at all in the bear costume? And I know it
1: makes it sound like I want you to. I just am curious that, I'm, and I would be blown away if you never did.
0: No, I never have. Never? Not once. In fact, in fact, um, during the first season, like the first day, uh, I went around and just like, especially in the foyer, just went around and kind of like counted, like how many steps to the front door, how many steps to the stairs, how many stairs are there. And then I started doing it um, with my eyes closed. And if you look now, you'll notice that, especially for the foyer, there's rugs on the floor and there's thresholds between the kitchen and uh, the doorways of the living room. So this way I could actually, with my feet, feel where I was in relation, because if they were cutting off bare from the waist up, that I couldn't really see the full body so that I could still feel where I was and get a judgment. And when there would like very gently, you know, talk to you and step back. I could then feel the banister right behind me and stop. And then I could just turn around and start walking up the stairs. So it's kind of like if you suddenly were blind learning how to live in your home, that's kind of like what it was like for the first couple of seasons. And also this whole set was raised up uh, four feet off the floor So that they could pop out sections of the floor so that the other puppeteers could stand and just hold the puppets up over their heads, which would be up to Bear's waist. And then they would have kick plates, these pieces of two by four boards that would be on the edges. So this way, as I walked up to the characters, I could then feel with my foot, the wood, and I would stop. And this way it prevented me from toppling on top of and crushing my co-stars. <laughs>
1: well, I was just about to ask that. Again, one step ahead of me because I, when you said there's giant holes in the floor, how did
0: you not follow them? So, <laughs> yes, that, well, that, that's how. That, that
1: answers that. Yeah. <laughs> so I have another uh, oddly specific question.
0: There's no oddly specific question for a man who used to run around
1: in a bear suit. So just ask away. <laughs> okay, great. Well, um, in, in that case, here's a very yeah. weird one. And I hope you've never been asked this before. But I just have to know, have you ever had an adult approach you? On the street or a convention and just say you know you taught me how to go to the bathroom
0: <laughs> uh adults not so much yet so they are the, okay yeah the, i guess the, the timeline that'd be weird yeah there, there's yeah, so there, 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 there's still a line that hasn't been crossed so thank you out there um <laughs> but but i when we did the the episode the potty episode which is still sells really well on amazon um you know The first day we were about to shoot, I told the crew as Bear, I said, all right, we're going to be doing this for the next three days. You'll be hearing the following words, poop, pee, toilet, diaper. (laughs) Get it out of your systems now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that was a particularly fun episode.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, every episode was fun. I mean, our our, our outtake reels were funny and occasionally naughty, but it's just like, you know, because you know, we're grown people too so outtake reels for puppet shows could sometimes be some of the funniest one maybe now and then risque things you've ever seen which is why you never see them <laughs> <laughs> well that actually leads me into my next question
1: in that same vein um otter love this song that is in one of the episodes you know yes. pip and pop finally get to do hip-hop and <laughs> they, they sing or they rap the song called otter love and you um, you have some pipes on you. So you're in the back doing some, you know, smooth jam, you know, <laughs> doing some real soul stuff way in the back. And, I mean, you had, when you were making this, uh, it's a very, I don't want to, okay, look, I don't want to turn a children's show that's, you know, supposed to be nice and kind and nothing more into anything but that. But there had to be a point where whoever wrote this and when you were performing it, you all looked around and just kind of like referenced how sexual that this <laughs> song seems to be.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, some of the, yeah, it was, like, it was it was one of the reasons why we always pre-record the songs. Cause there was like another song where the otters were going to do it live, and they just kept messing it up, which was just so funny. And just reinforced like, yes, this is why we take the time to pre-record songs. But this song was just really, it was just really fun. All the songs on the show were just like really fun to do, and some of them were just like outstanding, like Otter Love. And even before that, Bear had a song called uh, um, Love. And uh, that was a fun song too. And then for the potty training, you know, there was like, you know, there was the, you know, the toiletier song. And <laughs> it was like, so it's just like all these like really silly songs because, you know, it was entertaining for us. And it wasn't, we like, the songs were never, you know, quote, kitty songs. They were all different styles. Even the theme song, if you look at the theme of the show, it's like, You've never seen that kind of a theme song for a kids show before, and so yeah, so it was just like it—it—it it, 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 it was Some really bre- sax. Yeah, just like breaking rules and just like, just very. It was very jazzy. It was very it was like a jazzy, um, um, improvisational jazz kind of like opening, but it's for this kids show, and uh, yeah, we did all kinds of styles. We did you know hip hop. We did country. We did ballads. We did gospel. Um, it was fun. And you also had the opportunity great. to do a two live cruise style song
1: um, called "Otter Love." Yes, we did. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's on it's on YouTube somewhere. I'm sure I don't have the rights to play it. But yeah, I'm sure it's out there, and you can definitely go. Go watch it in in lieu of me playing the entire thing. But this is a this is a very very fun song. And so uh, on a different on a different part of the show, you know, you have the song portion. But the very beginning, you know, Bear opens the door and he sniffs you and he asks, "What's that smell?" And he says something like, "Oh, you smell like berries. You smell like pancakes." One is, one is like, "You smell like bananas." I mean, if you were sitting at home as a child and you were just sitting there, and then you were eating a banana, and then Bear was like, "You smell like bananas," wouldn't that just freak you out?
0: Oh yeah. I've I've gotten occasionally like somebody has said that you know that particular day you know they had oatmeal or they had taken a bath or they had brushed their teeth and so it was just like yeah so it was like that sort of like oh my god but then but then also the the, the flip side of that is that at that point because bear you know technically bear if he's smelling you he could see you so he knows who you are so then I realized doing these appearances bear kind of has sort of like you know the Santa Claus thing where he knows you so i could never ask a kid what's your name because bear would know who you are <laughs> right he invited you into his home I, you right. know, I hope he knows who you are Yeah, exactly so it's just like so when, so parents would occasionally like you know tell me their name and so that would be great but i could never ask a kid you know it's like oh and what's your name it's like i would always say oh you made it oh i was hoping you would come say like, there you are i've been waiting all day to see you and just like just go with it like that you know, just shy of hey you you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know hey sport. Yeah, Eddie, hey, bud, how are you hey, doing today? Champ. <laughs> oh, that's
1: great. Um and so you did three seasons of bear oh we know what you
0: did. Actually, yeah, we did four seasons. We did three seasons and then we actually did get the green light to come back, and that's when um Mitchell thought it's been four years since the start of the show, and our audience will have grown in those like three to four years. So that's when they decided have the kid characters go through new adventures similar to what the kids at home would be going through so tutter started to go to mouse school and was getting ready to go to school uh okay this is the woodland valley season yeah ojo was you know learning to ride a bicycle and uh uh, was experimenting you know being creative and doing art and so we were going to do that we were also going to Explore outside the Big Blue House because that's what the kids at home were doing because now they were seeing more of their world. So that's why for the fourth season, the whole opening changed. So now you could see all of Woodland Valley, the town that Bear and his friends lived in, and you got a sense of the community. Then this this was all planned in early uh, 2001. Then something happened on September 11th, 2001. And that's when, after like a uh took a break for like a a month we hadn't come back yet and that's because we went back and it was decided that we would really concentrate on community and just show how community sticks together it'll always be there for you there's always going to be somebody there uh the heroes in your community like the firefighters that kind of thing so that was like the new theme for the for the fourth season so i wrote an episode all about uh heroes and how uh Pip and Pop are enamored with their favorite baseball player, uh, Ferret Jeter, and it, and then it, and then it turns out that Ferret and Bear went to school together, and that uh, and Bear was the, the the hero who won the game, and so sometimes you know a hero can be living with you, you know, and just do small things like you know take care of you and you know make sure you're warm and safe and sound. And we did another one volunteers. It wouldn't lie. And that was the episode I, I directed because they wrote it specifically so that, cause bear was in like 99.9% of you know all the shows and all the scenes. So then this episode it's written so that bear hurts his foot. And he has to stay home, but he still has these volunteer duties. So his little friends decide to go and fill in for him. And so, uh, uh, Tutter and, um, the otters go to the library to do story time with all these bunnies, and then Ojo and Trilo go to the fire station and help uh, uh, clean the, the, fire, uh, the fire truck. And so, and so that was the way of getting out of the fact that how can we not have Bear be in every scene?" and Noel still direct this, that loses mind. So that was how they came up with. And also, And then again, it just concentrate on the fact that you know, you have people in your neighborhood who, like, you, know, you know, your neighbors, you look out for each other, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and Bear is a firefighter in this in this episode, and I, he's he's volunteering for the town. Yes. I thought it would be funny if you know because he can't say no because he's so nice. He just got progressively more and more over his head <laughs> helping people out. He's like, well, I guess I got to go to the coal mines today because Doctor <laughs> Pig
0: needs me to go. You know, the coal mines. I got to go to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory to help with calculations. Yeah. The writers came up with this phrase. It was called uh, for each episode basically. There was a formula to Bear if you really look at it, and it was called a uh, bearus Interruptus. Whereas Bears always had would open the door, welcome you, sniff you, you smell great. And then he would tell you his plan for the day or what he was thinking of doing. And then it always would get interrupted. <laughs>
1: and so Breakfast with Bear was after Bear in the Big Blue House.
0: Yes. Like the production. Yes, so we, did like a, we did like 120 episodes of Bear. And then uh, after that, um, Nancy, uh, Nancy Cantor of the Disney Channel wanted to do um, a spinoff series. And so that's when we did uh, Breakfast with Bear. And Breakfast with Bear became the show where Bear was in the real world, going to real kids' actual real homes to help them start their day. And there would be like the morning mamo to get them up and moving. Then there would be another segment where they're in the kitchen doing breakfast and talking about breakfast. A lot of a lot of a lot of kids' homes aren't built for a bear, so it was like got very interesting how can we adapt like the fact that like doorways are kind of tight or ceilings are kind of low and uh we did some in we did 10 episodes in new york and then 10 episodes in california and uh we went everywhere from like a kid living in the big apple circus to a kid living in um, the army camp fort irwin in the middle of the mojave desert and uh it was it was great it was really fun Going to these kids' actual homes and like interacting with them,
1: and so so why did the original show end?
0: Um, it was it, it 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 like done its run because they had 120 episodes that they could always uh, run, and um, yeah, so just like it ran its it uh, ran its course uh, for, for, for 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 Disney for you know for for, for for Disney Channel. I mean, a show like you know a show like Sesame Street is so rare because Sesame Street you know is about to go into season fifty. And you know, you'll never see a kid show run that long, you know, ever again, uh, most likely. And so uh yeah, so then, you know, Bear ran then and then they wanted to try something else with Bear. And so that's when um we came up with, you know, Breakfast with Bear. And uh yeah, so and now people keep asking me, so are they gonna, you know, bring Bear back? And it's like, well, I don't know, in this fever season
1: of rebooting, maybe they would. So you know when was the last time you were in or you know wore the bear costume
0: um it was like in uh 2007 it was for the uh Jerry Lewis telethon and that was like uh the last
1: time so the costume's just like in your closet just like sitting there with like one light on it so when you bust in you're <laughs> ready to save the day it's like that superhero be, moment you got like a really stern look on your probably face probably like
0: yeah like in like in the, the bat cave or just like <laughs> with the spotlights shining. yeah exactly you have
1: you you push a button and the bear costume you know kind of limp and all hunched over comes up
0: out of the ground and there you go yes i know i know i don't have the costume here at home I, it's safely stored away at a uh, puppet heap who now takes care of the muppets and uh and the bear the bear character so he's just standing by well Noel, thank you so much for being
1: here today it's been awesome i had a lot of fun and you answered so many of my oddly specific questions so just <laughs> thank you so much my pleasure And to all of you, thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And thank you for visiting Defunctland.